What's up, Bill? How you doing? How you feeling? I can't believe we're down here in Tribeca because we certainly can't afford to live here. No, we definitely can't afford to live here. But, well, the palatial estates was beautiful, too. But we had to make a move, man. We're moving up to the big time now. Oh, in the palatial dungeons of uh, Tribeca. We got a, we're in a brownstone here in Tribeca. But now we got a producer. Uh, we got an engineer. Holy and we have the best guest. Of, you believe the guest we a got? A legend. A legend with the NYPD, law enforcement all over the world. Without further ado, let's welcome Chief Louis Anamone. Hey, good morning, guys. Good hey, to th- be here. Thanks for having. Thanks for coming in, man. Oh, my pleasure. You know that. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, Mark. Yeah. The same thing. The first thing I said when I saw him, I said, "What happened to the tan?" Because he always has a perpetual still, tan. No, you still got some. Color a little bit, yeah. but not, yeah, yeah. not a lot, though. Yeah. No, no, you look good. Yeah, look and good. I'll look, look better good. in January. Three <laughs> weeks in Florida. Is that what you do? Yeah. You were snow. What's that called? Snow bunny. Snowbird. 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 Snow bunny. So that's what you do. You go down just three weeks. Or you go three down weeks. Oh, that's what, it. Yeah. Well, what part of Florida? Uh, Singer Island. It's on the East Coast. Hey, that's top secret. You know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't get can't get you any closer than that. <laughs> yeah, that's, Singer that's, Island. That's a good plan, man. That's a good plan. So, for the, uh, those of our listeners who um, haven't had the, the the honor and the pleasure to know, uh, aren't in New York City, don't really know much about the NYPD. They're learning it through us. But uh, our guest, Louis Anamon. 34 years with the NYPD? 34 and a half years. With the NYPD? Mark. Yep. And for, would you, uh, at the end, it was uh, four years, seven months as chief of department. Oh, yeah. That's, that's right. the highest ranking. The highest ranking uniform, uniform member of the department. That's that's a, an amazing achievement. But it continue, <laughs> when you consider, I started as a police trainee. A police wow. trainee, right? In yeah. the 60s, right? Yeah. What, 1964, what December. What, were you 18 years old? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Wow. And you came on at 20? I came on at 21 back 21. then. Okay. Yeah. They wanted a more mature <laughs> officer, so we, you know, the age was in, 21. In, in your mind, as a, as, a, as a young teenager right there, getting on as a trainee, and then once you finally got on and you got sworn in, did you ever, when, when did you come to your realization that maybe I can, I can go up through the ranks here, maybe I can, I can actually be a, a big boss on this job? Well, it wasn't when I was a trainee. I was uh-huh. a little bit of a cut-up, and, you know, I got a little... T- Trouble here and there Where'd along you go the way. Uh, in uh, the Marlboro projects in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn. Right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a project rat. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and you come from a, a long line of sanitation workers. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is very true. So they, there's a little bit of a story there. Uh-huh, go ahead. All right, we got nothing but time. So Grandpa <laughs> Louie, Grandpa Louie, oh, you were named after Grandpa. I'm named Louis. after oh, Grandpa okay. Louie. Was a foreman in sanitation in Coney Island. His brother worked for him there in Coney Island. His uh, three sons worked for him there uh-huh. in Coney Island in the sanitation department. My father left to become a correction officer. Too much Why? Of, too much of Louis the Whip, they called him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was a tough boss, and he leaned a little harder on my father. He was the oldest of the sons. Oh, dad and this, this sanitation, left. this is like a cartel or something? You got to <laughs> know somebody to get in there? Oh, yeah. Oh, this is the, Let me is tell this you something. <laughs> we, we had to know someone to get into the projects. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then it was a lottery, right? Yeah. It's yeah. still a lottery now. Yeah. <laughs> Project Kid Makes Good, though. Look yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marlboro Projects, man. Yeah. So... Um, so uh, you didn't want to go into sanitation, huh? Uh, no. As a matter of fact, though, my grandfather told me. Yeah, but me your family wasn't really doing nothing, right? No, no. It was no. <laughs> civil service. Just send them out, right? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> my grandfather told me, hey, you know, I don't think you're college material, uh-huh. but there's a test for the uh, this police trainee thing. Uh-huh. He used to read the uh, chief, the civil service newsletter, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. religiously every week. He says, I see there's a test, you know, you got to go out to Jamaica, Queens. Uh-huh. So I went, I took the test. And, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. Wow. Wait, did you have any fascination with police or? None at all at the time. I used to spend my time running from the from police. From the police. Back, well, you, what back were, in the uh, day. The, and the Marlboro Projects, that's a, what part of Brooklyn is that? So in? that's Bath Beach, uh, Gravesend border. Okay. That's the end yeah. of Brooklyn. Yeah. Right? One wow. stop from uh, the terminal. One, one stop from 
You ever Coney go Island. back and visit the mobile houses? Yeah, well, I, I go back to visit not so much the houses as the... Has L it changed any? L&B, Spumoni Garden, oh, an open Spumoni air Garden. for the yeah, pizzeria. Yeah. Oh, that's We go back pizza. every year. Yeah. Spumoni Garden. I've the owner there. got killed with it. Yeah, the, uh, that's right. Spumoni Gardens has the, uh, the squares, right? Yeah, square Sicilian yeah, yeah, pizza. Yeah, so when they see you walking up, do all the wise guys start walking out, no, running out of the place? Nobody knows me. Nobody <laughs> knows. I'm, I'm a quiet guy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you were you were an image though in a uniform. I just had a picture of that in my head. You know, I was a, I was a Queens Marine. Oh, task force. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Queens task force. Back in the day, right? If uh, you had any size to you, yeah, I'm six four, two fifty. Um, you know, you, if you if you put in for it, you, could, you might get to uh, the task force, which is you know, specializing in crowd control and uh, crowd disbursement and protests, any type of civil unrest. And when I first, when I got into there, it was like 1993, I think that you you were just coming in to, to, to head that. To well, head that control. part. So in 1993, uh, the commissioner at the time promoted me to deputy chief. And if you remember, this was after the Crown Heights riots in 91, after the, uh, the uh, Washington Heights riots in 92. So my job then was to create a disorder control unit mm -hmm. that would tra uh, train members of the patrol force, change our policies, change our procedures, get some equipment, and then train the executives in. Where did uh, you get the these ideas from? From all over. I read every book on the subject. I read every uh, critique from uh, L.A., you know, they had Rodney King. Yeah. Dallas had a couple of bad experiences. There were a couple up in, uh, um, I think, Canada Was well. anybody doing anything like that? Nobody. We were. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, we, we, we did it as a reaction because the governor at the time uh, instituted a uh, panel to examine, you know, what, what happened in Crown Heights, what was going right, what was wrong. But it was, so, it was important to study that because yeah. even like the Rodney King thing, letting trucks go into the riot zone, like that guy Reginald yeah. Denny got yeah. his head kicked in. I mean, you th you would think that would be common sense, but it obviously wasn't because they let people do that, right? So you, you find out very early, right, in police work, I'm sure we all have the same common sense isn't that common. Yeah. yeah. For those of you who don't, um, uh, just get, make uh, the, the civilian fan... A little aware. So what happens is you have police precincts, and, uh, and they cover a certain area. And they basically are responsible for handling the radio runs, emergency calls, 911 calls that come over. And then, it, God forbid, something happens where you're going to, like, there's a, a riot, a protest, um, whatever. There is a large group of people. Maybe it's a nightclub. We used to have a big problem with this place, Trafalgar Square in, in oh. Jamaica. <laughs> um Wherever there's a large group of people that are, are hanging out, um, we have to, and you want to disperse them, or you got to babysit them, then you're not going to be able to use the precinct personnel because then they're going to go into backlog. They're not going to be able to handle a 911 call. So every borough, and then eventually uh, each borough was split into north and south, um, had a task force. And those cops, when you got there, we usually, my, when I was in Queens, everybody was six feet or better. They either knew martial arts, they can box, they were physically fit, bodybuilding, whatever, you powerlifters. Um, and your job was basically, you know, you drove around, you did, you, you assisted with patrol, but you waited until something happened, and then you got what's called mobilized. There you go. You listen to the radio. If there's some type of civil unrest, you got mobilized, and you went to that particular area, and you put the precinct personnel back so they can answer the radio, and now it was your charge to uh, to either disperse the crowd or sit with them while they uh, <laughs> while they act up, and uh, <laughs> it, it made it a lot easier when we started actually practicing doing the th these type of things like lines and wedges. We looked professional doing it. It was intimidating if you were a crowd and you were <laughs> all of a sudden these giant guys get out of the vans and they got hats and you know hat by hat we mean helmets, the nightsticks. And, and shields. Yeah, you know? shield. And you formed a line, and you were organized, and, and you, you marched did it with there. military precision. precision. Right, absolutely. Right? Who was the governor at that time? Because you mentioned the governor. Oh, yeah, it was Mario Cuomo. Okay. Father of the uh, current. Okay, so, uh, so Mario Cuomo had, had got you guys together, all the bigwigs. And <laughs> he, he didn't get us together. He said he, had, he was having a uh, committee. There was a, 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 uh, I guess it was a commission to study 
what, what went wrong. Mm-hmm. So the police commissioner at the time was Kelly. Tell us a little bit about Crown Heights. All right. So, uh, okay. So I was in uh, the Bronx at the time. I was a full inspector. I was the commander of the 9th Division. I was working uh, 10 to 6s, I think, for those first few days of the uh, riots. So I'm going home after work, watching the uh, TV news at 6 o'clock, at 11 o'clock, watching cops do nothing. Now, this is before I'm the disorder control guy. I'm just an ordinary inspector. And refresh my memory, Crown Heights, it, it initiated because... Gavin um, Cato was run over? Yeah, he was... Yeah. Uh, it was a uh, eight-year-old boy was struck by a uh, car that was escorting a rabbi from Crown Heights. Okay, the boy died, and now the neighborhood erupted. Well, they erupted too. Wasn't there an incident where the uh, one of their uh, ambulances, Hadzola, showed up and and took the drive away and didn't take the to help the boy? <laughs> that's that's what Same was incident. reported at the time. Yeah. That's absolutely correct. All right, so then uh, that that really upset the community because an ambulance showed up. And, you know, who knows the difference between a regular ambulance or Hadzola. Hadzola happens to be ambulances that basically are there for the Jewish population. That's that's true. Yeah, so... Um, but they will help. You they know. will, yeah. Well, they will help anyone after if that they incident. happen to, they but, happen uh, to be the, there. the boy wound up still staying at the scene. Yeah. And then uh, that, that, then that started, uh, people got pissed. So that night, uh, Yankel Rosenbaum was stabbed to death. So as a retaliation, because they felt like the little boy was left there and nobody helped him, then uh, that community took up in arms and they found um, Yanko Rosamom, who's a Hasidic Jew, and they, and they stabbed him. And that boy lived in that area? Yeah, he, he lived in the neighborhood. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the uh, city ambulances responded immediately after Everyone did everything they could for that boy. He, there was no way Gavin Cato was going to survive. All right. And then the Uncle Rose mom gets stabbed. Right. So the, the neighborhood now becomes, you know, uh, breaking windows, looting stores, stabbing Yankel Rosenbaum. It's, it's an interesting neighborhood because that, that neighborhood right there, you, it's, it's very diverse, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You have Hasidics living side by side with minorities. Mm-hmm. Right. And they've lived there for years. It's right. not like this is a new And what, what was wrong with the... Uh, the NYPD response to that. Well, you said no one was doing anything. How, well, that's exactly. Could you tell us about that? So three days of this. Now, I'm watching this every night at home, getting more and more aggravated, watching. Because you're in the Bronx. Yeah, I'm in the Bronx. I'm waiting for something to happen. The last night that I watched at home, there were cops from the Bronx, from the 4-8 precinct, which is where my office was, mm-hmm. who was shot by a, uh, a rioter with a shotgun. Six or seven cops shot, and wow. still nothing was done. Just so our audience understands. Who was the mayor, Dinkins? Mayor Dinkins. When Lee you, Brown was the commissioner. When you say uh, the cops from the, from the Bronx are getting shot in Brooklyn, that's because they need cops, and you're getting pulled from other precincts to go over there. Every precinct in the city was sending cops to uh, Crown Heights, but the leadership at the time wasn't doing anything with them. They, w- they had no mission there. They were standing around, letting people violate the law, threaten others, so Chief, cause was that, injury and is, damage. But that, w- that feeling there that they were doing nothing, which they weren't doing anything, was that because an unwritten thing, they felt that they wouldn't be backed up? I, no, no, no. Back then, the, the issue was that the mayor was believed to have told the commissioner, Lee Brown, let them vent. And they vented for three days and nights until they finally threw garbage at the mayor and bottles and bricks at the mayor and the police commissioner when they visited high school. Right. Then the mayor flipped his script. Then he wanted it done. It's time to take Crown Heights back. So they They took the entire leadership structure in Brooklyn South out, and they brought guys like me in, from throughout the they rest must have of the been city. pissed when they saw you coming in from the Bronx. They going, hey, yo, yeah, they what? weren't even in the building. They had them in a parks department building oh, over man. by the parade grounds. Uh, by, uh, I guess it's Ocean Avenue in, in Brooklyn. Who are you talking about wasn't in the building? The, the bosses. The bosses, the, the assistant chief, over? the deputy chiefs, the, the inspectors. The the, no, no, no. The, the guys who worked there every day, they took them all out. Oh, they made them leave. 
for doing nothing. Uh-huh. And then they brought some of us in. Were you an inspector at the time? Or inspector, inspector. Imagine that they bring an inspector in. Let this inspector take over this riot because the guys, the chiefs, aren't doing their job. But you must have had a reputation already by then. Well, I I hope I did. You know, as being a street cop, as being you know a guy who could handle himself and know. But as far as with disorder control, you must have Uh, some higher ups must have known that you had at least a little bit of knowledge about this that you could actually put a plan together. So the uh, chief of patrol at the time was uh, Mario Salvaggi. So I knew him from the Bronx. He knew me well. You know he. He addressed a number of us in the uh, 6-7 precinct, which is the borough headquarters, and he told us, tonight, you know, it ends. Mm-hmm. The mayor wants it to end tonight. Wow, that's cool, man. I like that for a scene in a movie. Tonight, yeah. it ends. And, <laughs> and I did my, my piece. Yeah. I had 250 cops. What was your plan five to captains. take it back, though? What was your plan? So it was very simple, you know, for me, just getting there, you know, and they sent me to President in Utica. Mm-hmm. the epicenter of where the accident was, where all the violence was, where it was all starting. And I just told my captains and the cops, listen, we're going to set the rules for every group that starts to walk through the uh, neighborhood. We're going to tell them what they can and can't do. So how many people did you have to beat with that nightstick before they listened <laughs> to you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they... The cops that were working with me for that night made maybe 33 or 34 arrests, uh-huh. right? Because every time the group left and they, then they started getting crazy, we stopped them, we grabbed the ringleaders, put them under arrest, and we did that three or four times during the night. That was the last night that they were actually doing anything uh, criminal. Wow. That's me- all it took. The message gets That's out all fast. It, took. Right? it gets yeah. out fast. <laughs> And back then, you got arrested. You had a, you were going through the system. It's not like now where they're going to try to uh, no bail, you know, no bail, no jail, no arrest. I don't know what's next, uh, Mark. <laughs> so then, after Crown Heights, um, now now you straighten that situation out. You still you're, so you go back to after the Crown Heights. Is, then you had Washington Heights after that. Right. Washington Heights. We had Michael O'Keefe. Yeah. He happened to be um, the police officer who killed Kiko Garcia. We had him on the show. He told us the whole story. It was great. About it. Yeah, it was great. that was a great, was a good, great episode. Good cop, um, good detective. Yep. But that was a th- another three-day ride, overturning police cars up there, setting stuff on fire, and that was over uh, a neighborhood drug dealer that was killed. Yeah, Kiko. So now, now you know all about. Um, now, now you you have this reputation of actually putting your your your. Um, your ideas into effect. It worked in Crown Heights. Um, now you're going over, flying over to Washington Heights. Was there any differences between those two um, situations? So uh, the the difference in Washington Heights was number one, the cop was involved. There was a police action. Yeah, okay, this wasn't the, you know the Hasidic now uh, it's convoy. Now against the police. Now it's against the police, and it was led by the drug dealers. Kiko was a bad guy. They knew he was one of theirs. They just wanted to, you know, cause some. And you had a city councilman at the time, uh, Guillermo Linares. Yeah. Led this whole, led these demonstrations up there in the street. And apparently, you know, uh, whoever was working there was was hands off. Or then he was a councilman. So they, you know, they backed up. They let him lead this mob. Well, it took a while for the truth to get Jeez. out, though, oh, right? Oh, yeah. That was Always the big does. problem, yeah. He was, uh, I think he was... Uh, uh, indicted. Yes. Yeah. yeah Mike. Yeah. What's the morale like on the department when something like this happens, especially when there's a cop involved? Well, you know, you're looking for the, the uh, leadership of the department to back the police. Uh, we are looking for the mayor and his people to back the police. And we're looking for the media to give us a fair shot. And we're looking for the communities that we're policing to support us. Everyone knew who Kiko Garcia was. Right. You know, there shouldn't have been any tears shed for him. And the mayor certainly shouldn't have paid for his funeral, send the body back to the DR. That's something you never forget. So um, you uh, you go up there and uh, you throw, well, once Washington Heights, the riots happened over there, I would imagine you, were you still in the Bronx, right? You were still in the Bronx? No, I was the executive officer in the Special Operations Division. So now you're in 1PP? No, uh, Flushing Meadow Park. All right, so you're in Flushing Meadow Park. You hear yeah. about the um, what's going on in Washington Heights. I imagine you go you go to the phone booth, you throw the cape on, you fly over there, <laughs> mess everybody. Now he up. had all these toys at yeah. his disposal too from S O D. Oh my helicopters, God. boats. You know, he had it all. 
<laughs> so uh, I'm just trying to get to the evolution of uh, disorder control here. So now, when you when you get up there, that was three days again. Like yeah. now, but why does it take three days? Are you letting them vent again, or? Well, they surely were. Uh-huh. They surely were letting them vent. But they were making arrests in this situation yeah, the first I, day? You know, there, there were a couple of arrests. There was no organized police response. You know, this whole... Di- and you were a, uh, a task force yeah, member. Yeah. You got to have a plan. You, the cops have got to know mm-hmm. that the leader is there on the street with them. Here's what we're going to do. And then they follow it through. I was in the academy three days when that happened. Wow. And uh, I remember they said we we're gonna get the mobilizers. I'm like, and do what? We don't yeah. even know how to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> what are we gonna do up there? From your star card, yet? that's all that's important. Yeah. So there, there was a theory, and I'm sure you guys are gonna remember this: the scarecrow theory. Just put enough, just here. put enough people out there in uniform, they'll scare people. Uh-huh. But up in the heights, both cases, they don't scare easy. No, no. these are street guys. They they know what they're doing. They don't Chief, scare. Let, let me ask you something. With all of this disorder control training and, and all the things you're talking about, can yeah. you draw any parallels now to, 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 to the, uh, today, what's actually happening today? Cops getting you know, attacked and all of that stuff and not responding? So I haven't seen any uh, large-scale issue except for the other night. I think the other night in Brooklyn was the first one. Uh-huh. I'm talking about the Barclay Center Incident, right. Okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. Barclays. Where well, they all jumped over the turnstile. You know, so. they and they the sign fucked the police and all this shit and graffiti. Are you talking the about the, the little demonstration they had? Little, little. There was, there a was over a thousand people. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Mark over a thousand people. So yeah. when you say drawing, you know. Parallels. Yeah, but they want to get on the train for free, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's so bad about that? Yeah, Isn't the train on. free right now anyway? <laughs> I, I've got to learn to be more uh, accommodating, yeah. Yeah. understanding. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the the uh, the you know today. The that parallel, was the first yeah. parallel now that I'm looking at, and I'm looking for the tactics that we taught, the mobilizations that we. Oh, know, they're gone. You know, they're gone with the the wind. leadership out on the street. It's not Stop! There. They don't even want you to wear your helmet now, yeah. unless you are authorized to put it on. Yeah. <laughs> you're going into an area yeah. because, God forbid, somebody should get offended or scared that you're wearing a helmet. Meanwhile, it's a defensive uh, piece of equipment. Yeah. It doesn't hurt anyone. No. You, you're right. wearing a helmet. It protects your vital uh, or one of your vital organs there, right? Well, Bill brought up an interesting point. He talked about coming around to where we are now. Let's take one step back because yeah. I have this theory about um, Occupy Wall Street and how it... Um, it changed the way it might have screwed everything up because back then protest and uh, civil unrest usually contained in a certain area. Occupy Wall Street, they started moving around these roving bands. And now it became, I would imagine, a little bit more difficult to keep these groups on the wraps. Is that a question, Mark? Yeah. Yeah, come on. <laughs> roving bands we've had from... The uh, March of Dimes Mugathon, mugathon. in the eighties. <laughs> so you worked there, yeah. huh? Come on, <laughs> really, you were there. Yeah, yeah. What was that? The Mugathon. The Mugathon. The mugathon. They called it. Yeah. What, what was it? Yeah, you don't remember no, no. all these Manhattan, nice little kids marching and the, the thugs came makes to rob it. them. Brooklyn takes, takes it. it. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I, was, I came out in '92. That's right. Yeah, they used to, that was the chant. That's yeah. Right. So, you know, we've had roving bands, and we know how to handle roving uh-huh. bands. What we you sometimes don't see, and, and this is the sin of what's happening maybe today, is our police leaders who are out there on the street don't have the intestinal fortitude or the desire. You could say balls, it. chief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. And it might be, going back to one of your questions, that they may feel there is no backup for them. But, uh, you know, I don't see that, though, as a, uh, an excuse. You know, we so, take the oath. We all took the oath. Go out there and do your job. So when they Let stand the there in one PP, when they stand there in one PP and say you have our backing, but the cops see no evidence of it. Well, you know, it's, you know, yeah, that's a that's a problem. That's a, that's a tough thing, yeah. but you know, you well, have the people evidence that comes are, through with like with Pantaleo, for example. That's yeah. where a situation where you had the opportunity to step up and you know, and uh, and have the back of that police officer, and that's not what happened at all. So uh, now you're left with a situation where do do they really have our backs? How many times can you say you have our back, but you don't really, when a push comes to shove, you don't have our back? That's important to know because most of these cops, they're, they're not only scared of uh, 
the civilians or you know the the people that they're sworn to protect, but they're scared of uh, getting caught on tape doing something that's questionable. Like we were talking about, um, it's not the incident that happened. It's an incident that happened in the train station, but I don't think it's related to um, the demonstration from the other day, right? Where the office, where there's a, um, a melee in in on that's the a, platform, a, yeah. That's a different. That's yeah. at the Metro Tech station. And now they look to launch uh, the launch that kid because some right hand. That was nice. I want that guy in my anti crime team. <laughs> I want, and now he got transferred. What Did message he, is that send? Uh, yeah, he got transferred. Excellent, right? That kid deserved that. to get knocked out. They're fighting with the police. Yeah, I mean that's that's really in the in the training manual. <laughs> they teach you how to no, throw but then punches. Eric in the Adams, academy. who's running for mayor, you know, oh, he didn't like what happened. That guy was just a conscientious objector on this job. I don't think he ever did police work. You know. We say stuff like that on this <laughs> job, on this show. <laughs> Eric Adams, you want to come on and deny that that you're a conscientious objector? Well, I'm just I'm just curious to know what like like uh, well, what are you supposed to do if you're a cop on this job right now? And not only do you not think you the job doesn't have your back, but they're treating you like crap. And then again, also too, has it always been, hasn't it? You got to toughen up a little bit, though. Oh, now you you're know? coming around I mean, to my way the, of thinking. You know, when I go out to the, uh, oh. I go to the academy, I worked there as an. Uh, as an actor, you know, every every uh, recruit gets a water bottle with their name on it. <laughs> I'm not even kidding, man. Every, when, you, when they go for the run, oh, they're all carrying stop. their water. <laughs> they're all carrying their bottles of water. Oh, God. There was, we used to have a line to take sips of water out of the, uh, the hey, dirty water. Out of in the, Crown Heights, I had them drinking hydrant water. Yeah, you, you forget, Old it was school. August. That's why, they took yeah. the, that's why they took the heights back. Yeah. They drank that New York City hydrant, hydrant water. water. <laughs> oh, can I get a sip from your hose? Remember that? I used to walk down the street. Excuse me, miss, can I get a sip from your hose? Oh, you know the, sp the spigot that you used to turn uh, on and just stick your face in yeah. there? Playing ball now, look, all day. All that training is reduction of force training, you know, uh, and which de-escalation de-escalation yeah, yeah. de-escalation yeah. so training. you know it's good but so <laughs> I'm so oh, I I hit the desk no you were doing it's good alright oh, so yeah, 20 the minutes good. 10, right. 20 minutes in you only did it once <laughs> alright so getting back to the uh, the point refresh my recollection de-escalation training de-escalation alright so it's great it's a good idea we love it you know back in the day we talked about verbal judo right. you know it's kind of along the same lines you know, uh, giving a cop an option where he doesn't necessarily have to use force. The only issue with all of this stuff is the guys on the other side haven't attended the same training. Right. Oh, the yeah. guys you bump into in the street, they don't know their, their lines. So we got to send them to They don't know what training. they're supposed to do. <laughs> they don't, you know, and it's, it's really simple, right? You got to send them say, a notification yes, so they officer, go to training. Yeah. <laughs> yes, officer. Uh -huh. Anything you say, officer. Sorry, officer. You I'm know, on my way. I'll you know, step off them now, really quick, officer. Coca -Bola. That, that's yeah. a, uh, they don't have them anymore. <laughs> They have those stupid asps. Yeah, that, no. let me ask you so a question. So there are no, no, no nightsticks no, anymore? No, what happened? Were you, on, were you still on the job when they gave us those freaking PR-24s? Uh, yeah, I was a... What the know, hell was that? Yeah. It was like... First of all, it's a it's a martial arts instrument, yes. if you don't yeah. know. It's it's a, it's got a... It's a regular... looks like a nightstick, and then there's like a, a, a knob. A handle, <laughs> a handle, and then a knob at the end of it. Yeah. And basically nobody... It's a kendo martial arts thing where to get proficient in it, you probably have to train with it for a couple of years. And we got like three hours of training. <coughs> then they give you this thing. It always sat in the patrol car because nobody knew how to use yeah. it. Yeah, it's, a, it's so true. You are a big <laughs> proponent of mace. You wanted guys to go through two or three cans a month. <laughs> mace. Loved it. I loved the mace. Except it works on us better than the yeah. perps. You know? So the pepper first, spray, though. So yeah. the first time I used, you know, like an industrial size supply oh, let me hear of about mace this. was the Staten Island uh, riots. Uh -huh. So that was in 1994. I was chief of patrol, and I had a nice quart size. I remember those, yeah. Quart size, because <laughs> nice the task ones, force yeah. had them also. Yeah, yeah. So I pilfered one from one of the task force units, uh -huh. and I had it in the car, and we used it in uh, it Staten Island. It worked pretty of well. Of all places. It worked great. <laughs> yeah. Was it fun? Yeah. No, no, it was, <laughs> it was, it was good. You're like, you yeah. get back in the car, you're giddy, right? Yeah. Like, you see that guy's face? <laughs> He's crying like a bitch. <laughs> So you know what also you know what now now with the yeah. pepper spray you watch the uh, the demonstrations in China you know and they they use the umbrellas yeah I'm thinking man we got to come up with something better so I know this this might sound weird to you but uh, I was thinking we should uh, we should blow pot smoke out <laughs> and like billow it 
<laughs> no, you know why? Because what happens is at some point they're gonna get the like twenty minutes later they'll get the munchies. Yeah. And then the <laughs> and whole then crowd is gonna disperse. <laughs> yeah. The whole crowd will disperse yeah. and they'll go about their way. Plus they're gonna be docile. They're gonna be in a better mood. They'll stop <laughs> fighting. But most of all, they'll go home to get something to eat. Go yeah. back to their neighborhood. So th there's a spot for you in the Office of Management, yeah. Analysis, yeah. and Planning. Hey, listen, man. I'm, a, I'm an ideas guy. <laughs> I'm an ideas guy. What can I tell you? So uh, so you're doing this. Uh, you came up with this great plan, and it was really, really effective. We, uh, I remember the, uh, the World Cup soccer. They were oh. playing in L.A. Colombia versus Ecuador, Roosevelt Avenue in oh, Queens. Yeah. Prior to... Uh, to actually having body cams or anybody having a phone on a camera, man, there was a like there had to be a hundred thousand people underneath that train station. <laughs> I've asked you a million times not to exaggerate, <laughs> <laughs> and we got rid of those people one by one, man. The <laughs> Queens Marines with oh, the task force, yeah, it was yeah. beautiful. <laughs> so all you heard was "ouch, ooh, ooh, oh, official, official, no, ouch, ooh, ah, official." <laughs> and if <laughs> you remember, we had those. Uh, uh, special units set up in every borough because in different areas of the city there'd be different teams that had some kind of an affiliation with neighborhoods. Yeah. So in the uh, in Manhattan it was the Brazilians on Forty Sixth Street. Yeah. In uh, Upper uh, Manhattan it might have been the Dominicans or the Cubans that we had people stationed throughout the city just ready to respond that was a big and deal. handle. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that was for events that weren't even occurring in the city. Just that we were planning ahead to, you know, we knew we'd, we'd have issues. So all this training that you enacted, are you a little bit uh, perturbed that it hasn't been followed through with now in, in current, well, current I, times? Well, I certainly hope, you know, that they should. But they you don't know, seem like they're using we, it. We, we proved that it works. We've had instances, you know, during the 90s that didn't spiral out of control because of this. We shut down uh, demonstrations. We handled them beautifully made arrests got you know the bad guys off the street and allowed you know the good law-abiding people in the city to uh, well jane fonda has been arrested five times in the last two weeks jane fonda yeah for uh the climate control uh oh. protesting her and Ted Danson, but she's got arrested like five times. So Not she's in and out. Yeah, she's let her go through the system. system and she'll Imagine yeah. her back down in the on day. That, you know? Back yeah. in the day when we were in control, right? What would happen to her? <laughs> she would have she would have freaked out when she saw the feet that said mope in Central <laughs> Booking. She would have said, What does that mean? Mope. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. Now now we had a that's legendary what you did with the uh, with the disorder control. But then you, you didn't stop there. You went a step further because Somewhere you started coming up with, I would imagine, an idea, you and uh, Jack Maple, about uh, putting together a meeting that would happen. Was it a monthly meeting called CompStat? No, it was uh, twice weekly. It was CompStat. It was Jack Maple's idea. Let's okay. get that clear. But you're considered Maple's one of the architects as well. Yeah, well, I, you know, I helped him uh -huh. implement it. I was uh -huh. an implementer. Tell us about what that little... Jack uh, what was the idea man, kind of like you, Mark. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm the dumb, don't follow my, any of my ideas. <laughs> we locked up. So uh, tell me a little bit about that process, because uh, prior to Comstat, like for uh, the average person who doesn't know what Comstat is, it's a meeting. Nowadays, it takes place, it, uh, was it every week now? Or every, it's once a uh, month. Once a month, once a month, maybe. And the, the bosses, the, the, the captains from every precinct or the, the deputy inspectors or the inspectors from each command, they have to, uh, if they're having a spike in crime, they have to step up to a podium uh, if, they're, if they're precinct called, and they have to basically talk to the chiefs of the department and explain to them why there's a spike in crime uh, in their precinct and what they're doing about it. And... Um, a lot of well, as the as these meetings went on further, um, a lot of times you know a lot of these people that we're talking about, they're not actors, they're not public speakers, and now all of a sudden you get them in front of uh, a group of their peers, they're nervous, um, they might not have all the answers, and they, uh, they got a reputation of you, you're going to get beat up on that day. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so let's. So here's here's the uh, the uh, philosophy behind it. Okay. All right. So you, you've described the CompStat meeting, you know, accurately. At the time, if you remember, this was now 1994, uh, cri violent crime was near its height. And the mayor, Giuliani, and the police commissioner, Bratton, uh, had decided we were going to change all that. So we, you know, Jack, myself, J 
John Timoney, set about to create a sense of urgency in the department about violent crime. So that this meeting became like a glorified sales meeting, a hardcore sales meeting. Was the model was sort of taken from the private sector, right? It was. Yeah. You know, this was Jack's idea, but he, he, he got the thought, really, watching Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, the movie. Wow. You know, he says, that's what we need. We've got to ask hard questions. We've got to hold people accountable. Always be... Always be closing yeah. if you're a detective. Prepared. Always, Always be prepared. But, uh, you know, ask questions of precinct commanders or precinct detective commanders or narcotic squad commanders about their area of responsibility and what were they contributing to lower the violent crime in that neighborhood. Holding people, holding the bosses accountable the executives. for what they're... Yeah. What they're um, what their the subordinates are doing, they're, they're, you know, what the cops are doing, what the detectives are doing, holding them kind of uh, responsible. They're going to have to crack the whip. Well, that's, that's one way, right? Mm-hmm. The other way is to help the cops, help the detectives, give them a plan resources. that works. It might, be, it might be unmarked cars one, in one place. It might be just the fact that, you know, the boss has got to get out on the street and see for him or herself what's needed, and then... Provided leadership. Well, you know, one of the things a that face did, out in the street. Chief, one of the things it did too is it got everyone in the game. Oh yeah. And I mean, I didn't like presenting it. Comes. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to be a, a, a sadist to like that, you know. But it did make you get up on your game, and it of also course. made your detectives. If I was getting the shit kicked out of me, guess what? You're yeah. going to get the shit yeah, kicked exactly. out of you too, because I got to explain your yeah. work. Yeah. And if your exactly. work is below par. It makes me look like a fool. So this is the, the idea was to raise the bar, not only for patrol, not only for housing, not only for transit, not only for narcotics, but for precinct detectives and specialty units. Why can't we do better? Making them Why play, shouldn't we Making do them better? play better, making them play harder, just yeah. like, a, like a coach. Uh, and it, morale improved. Absolutely. Morale was terrific, and, and the mayor wasn't even given raises then. Zeroes for heroes, Zero and three. we still did more work. And we got them in. Yeah, we got them in on our yeah. backs. But you know, they did start giving grade more often from yes. CompStat because I remember years ago, detectives could be in a rip unit for five or six years and still not get their shield. Yeah, exactly. And then I, when I went to the two three squad, no one had grade. The whole squad. This was like a superstar squad. Yeah. Then they started getting grade, and you know that was a good thing. So that was the uh, you know that was a decision that the commissioner could do. Mm-hmm. Give more grade money for sergeants, for lieutenants, and for detectives. You know, increase those. Uh, yeah, that helped those morale a lot because so the mayor wasn't wasn't budging on his. Uh, the race. You know, yeah. I'm, his I'm, race. I'm interested in finding out like what the atmosphere was, especially around the first Comstat meeting, <laughs> because none of the bosses would. They had no idea what they were stepping in for. Right. That's nothing like that had ever been done in the department. That's uh, that's absolutely true. So I'm a, I'm a precinct commander three times over. The 2 0, the 3 2, and the 3 4 precincts. And I can honestly tell you, uh, I've, t- I've repeated this many, many times. Nobody, nobody ever uh, asked me, you know, above my rank, hey, how's your crime, Louis? Mm-hmm. What's doing in the 2 0? What's doing in the 3 2? What's doing in the 3? They were not interested. It, it was. It wasn't on their radar. Right. So this is during. Uh, well, the zero for heroes was Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani was yeah, the mayor. Yeah, Rudy at the Giuliani time. was the mayor. Yeah. Okay. So now you're sitting there with Jack Maple and Timoney, and and you're coming up with this plan. And uh, tell us a little about a little bit about the first one when everybody's coming together. It's almost like a meeting with the five families, you know. But all the soldiers <laughs> are coming too. You know what I'm saying? Think about it. And like, hey, what the hell? What's the co- There's no it? food on the table. Yeah. What? <laughs> So, so everybody's coming to one PP. It, it must have been like the weird, this weirdest thing. Like, why are we here? What are we doing? So they they were all told, and and we did this by geographical sections of the city. So Manhattan North, everything north of 59th Street came down for the first meeting, and we didn't have the computers. We didn't have the statistical uh, quick turnaround that we have, you know, that we got later on. So each com- precinct commander brought down an easel. And on the easel, he had a map of his or her precinct and overlays, acetate overlays with little dots indicating robberies, burglaries, shootings, homicides, 
rapes, assaults. And as we went through, we asked them to flip the acetate, let's see the next one, and the next one. And invariably, in some of the precincts, and you, know, you, you guys are going to know where they are, where you had a large concentration of street sales of drugs, you also had everything else happening. So it looked to us that we had hot spots in just about every precinct in Manhattan North. And, you know, it was a visual representation of what's going on. Now we're asking them, do something about it. This, and they were shocked. This thing that you they talked about with the, uh, the, 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 the pages, and yeah. things, that was something that you guys created in 1PP for every, uh, like Manhattan North, or they had to bring their own? All right, so each precinct brought their own, right? But before we got to that point, point Jack had the great idea. He says, you know what they're going to say? I says, no, what? Oh, it's too much work. Mm-hmm. It's too hard. You know. So what we did in the office, I had two sergeants, Every day, they would take the busiest precinct in the city, the 7-5 at the time, and they would plot every one of those uh, violent crimes, the major seven crimes, on the map. And it took 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So that when we, you know, we kind of took, pulled the rug out. So from you under, took their excuse from them uh, before right they out. got there. Hey, <laughs> you know, my guys did it, you know, 20 minutes mm-hmm. a day, come on. Hey. Well, it's a pin and the map. two old precincts didn't have those kind no, of numbers. It's a no, pin yeah. map, and all you got to do is look at the complaint reports, and you can just. There put you up. go. There you, you know, go. We, how what Where there's a will, you know, there's a way. There's what percentage a way. of crime also went down just from better report taking? I remember people coming and go, "I got robbed." Oh, okay, the PAA would take yeah. the report, and it was right. like they didn't get robbed. There's a reason they made that report. Yeah, the Methadonians, they would, <laughs> you know, oh, my methadone was taken. We like. Sit it down with that guy for an hour. He is, we're not taking a report for this, you know. Or they do a spit back in the street, yeah, right? Yeah. For well, our the, listeners, a spit back is they pretend to take it, they spit it into a bottle, and they sell it on the street. Isn't that well, beautiful? He, here's an interesting thing that happens after the Comstat, uh, the meetings start taking off. Yeah. So what happens now is you got the the commanders, the precinct commanders, including the squads, and if they get called. To the carpet, which is what we used to call it. Yeah. They, 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 they're going, they got notified, they're going to, um, they're going to have to go to Comstat. And uh, they start preparing, but on the other end. So while you guys in 1PP were organizing and, and their a, lot of time, a lot of, yeah, attack plan, <laughs> a lot of, at some point, let me ask you, what point did it become like a hit squad? Like before, like did you, it didn't start off that way. No, no. Because some people felt like they were getting, they were targeted at I the t- meetings. All right, so maybe some were, uh-huh. but for good cause, you know, in my eyes. If I targeted someone, there was, uh, there was a reason. Mm-hmm. And you were Revenge never targeted. Revenge is a dish best yeah, served cold. <laughs> you were never targeted for your first meeting. So, you know, when you get an, the idea of it, you were there once a month. Uh-huh. But for, for us, we would meet twice a week so that in those four weeks, we saw the entire city. And then I'd see you again mm-hmm. next month. Now, at that next meeting... If you hadn't uh, committed or, or addressed the situation, situation. Yeah. addressed the situation mm-hmm. that we talked about mm-hmm. last time, yeah, I'm coming for you. I'm, it's all about creating that sense of urgency. And although I'm talking to one commander or one narcotic commander or one detective commander, his and her peers are in the room listening, and they know they've got the same issues, the same problems. If someone comes up with a great solution. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the room hears right. it. That's hey, great. you know, I, I can benefit from that. And there were people who, yeah, we came for people. People lost their commands. But there were people who got promoted right. as a result of their work. Did you ever, did you ever catch people lying to you during oh, Comstat? Yes. Every, that, that's another thing. Four and a half years. <laughs> we tell the truth here. Four and a half years, and it never stopped. Uh-huh. It never you mean stopped. the lying? Yeah. The lying, the fudging the numbers. You know, from beginning to end, we always had someone or some group of right. people looking Chief, to you, game you have the to system. Admit, you have to admit, there was a lot of tension in that room. Yeah. And very Tension tough. is good. <laughs> tension is good. Except if you don't want to put that mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what did tough. you do to anybody? Did you ever catch people lying to you on more than one occasion? Uh, I don't think so, because I think after the first lie, they either got the message uh-huh. or they were gone. The reason yeah. why I asked that is because I read a, a thing about um, there was a precinct commander and he was doing a spiel at the podium, and behind him there was a 
Tell us oh, the Pinocchio. That wasn't a precinct <laughs> command. Oh, a, oh, is it? That was a borough command. Oh, okay. What happened? Tell us the story. <laughs> so the borough commander got up at the podium to more or less defend his uh, performance in the borough. The, uh, they, they weren't doing well. Violent crime was up. They weren't catching anybody. And as he started to give us this flowery description of everything he did, behind him on the screen, rather than the map being available for everyone to see, was his picture of Pinocchio. <laughs> and Pinocchio's nose grew longer and longer the more this guy talked. <laughs> you know, so that was the story. He didn't uh -huh. like that, though, right? No, he didn't, he didn't like it. Uh, there was a civilian in the room who was writing a book on policing. He went upstairs, he told the police commissioner what he saw down okay. there. He was going to add that to the book. Uh, the author was George Kelling. He since died. He wrote the broken windows yeah, policy, right? Yeah. Theory, yeah. So uh, shortly after that, uh, Jack, Maple, and myself were in Bratton's office getting dressed down. He was not happy at all <laughs> oh, with our little joke. Plus, I humiliated this guy in front of you know his subordinates. It was a stupid, stupid idea. It's an interesting thing because you have, well, when you become a, f uh, a cop, for example, you get this little bit of um, machismo. Yeah. And then as you move up to the ranks, not only uh, are you a cop now, but you're a boss in charge of cops. And then the further you go up, now you're a boss in charge of bosses. So you get your ego... You know, you have a certain ego about you. And now, you know, there's bosses still on top of you. That's and now true. you have to go into a room full of your peers and get dressed down. And when I say dressed down, it's almost like you were standing up there naked <laughs> after you got slapped around a little bit. And now you had to go find your chair again and hope that the, the next guy gets it worse because otherwise everybody's going to remember you. <laughs> Mark, come what? on. They gotta, these guys got to get tough. They're getting paid to fight crime. This is their job. This is their reason for being there in the department. For me to ask a question about a uh, location in your precinct where you've had a series of violent crimes and for a commander not to know, right, that's not, not, not to have any idea. I used to work up for Pulaski at the end. I used to work directly. I was Chief in of detectives. Yeah, I was in the training unit. Ah. Uh, uh, and then we used to have to go sit in on the meetings, on the Comstat. So that's why I was pretty familiar yeah. with the format and how it went down. We used to have to take notes. But I noticed afterwards, and then regardless of who got dressed down at Comstat, afterwards, when the meeting broke up and you're in that hallway there in 1PP and they got the donuts and the coffee there, <laughs> there was a lot of attaboys, man. It was, like, yeah. it, never, it, was like, it was like a bar fight almost. Like yeah. old school bar fight where you went back in the bar afterwards and you bought, you had a drink with the person. Yeah. So that's what I I, I admired that aspect of it. That, that do, don't take it personal, man. This is it's, it's job. business. It's not <laughs> personal. This is business. Right. This it. is the family business, right. man. Do it better. Right. Do it better. Work harder. Right. Work harder. Or maybe you should you know come in there and and you know startle me with a success story. And that happened. And it gave me, you know, as the chief sitting at the other end of the room, a chance to have a conversation with bright sergeants. Did that ever know, happen? Bright lieutenants. <laughs> Did you ever come in there and you're going to rip this freaking commander apart because look at this crap. And then yeah. all of a sudden, the commander comes out and actually lays something out. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. It's happened. That's right. Not often. Yeah. But, I mean, it happened. Usually, it was just that you got to, you know, you heard great stories from them. And they're highlighting the work of maybe their RIP team, right. maybe their anti-crime team, maybe their conditions team, or a unique solution to one of the, uh, the street shootings. Hey, you, know, you have to give them an attaboy. Absolutely. It can't only be negative. It's got to be, you know, you, you got to give them that I had a great Comstat story. One time, um, Norris's uh, assistant yeah. called during the day to Lieutenant Coniglia, said, I want to know about these cases. He goes, I'm too busy. And he blew them off. Yeah. He calls me. I come on the four to twelve, and he wants. I I go. I'm too busy. So Cutter, who was our boss when we went to comps, he goes. You guys are fucking dead. Yeah. He <laughs> goes. Norris wants to destroy both of yeah. you guys for blowing off his assistant. Yeah. 
So Cutter said, well, you know, you can do that, but they solved two murders and six shootings this constant period. Go. So Norris actually backed off. He goes, yeah. you tell them never to hang up on my guy again. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it brings up an interesting point, just because uh, I know you were on the other end. You know, you were, yeah. you were you're the chief, you know, you were in charge of all this stuff. But when you were in a squad, I was in the squad, I remember the call used to come over and... You know, everybody knew we were going to have ComStat. The question was whether your command was going to get called to ComStat. Exactly. Now you get called, and all of a sudden you get a list of the cases that they're pulling from the squad. So now, at the time, you got to, like, double and triple, make make four or five, six different folders oh, of yeah, this that case. Was horrible. While the boss is sitting there reading your case, telling you, did you do this, did you do that? Well, you better go out and do it. And you could backfill your cases until they came out with the DD5 system, which was now instead of typing our, our reports out, we had to put it in the computer. So right. you couldn't backfill anymore because it was already there for everybody uh -huh. to see. Yeah. So this is post you. Yes, it is. So post you're just you. hearing that fire exists. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. The Once they get went to that DD five system, man, the cat was out of the bag. You couldn't you couldn't backfill anymore. You had to like you had to update your case uh, yeah. when it said three. And that was days. under Chief Pulaski, right? Yeah. 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 But yeah. the DD five system also allowed to do something yeah. that you always talked about. If there was a murderer working in across boroughs. You could run it, yeah. your computer, run an MO, and say, look, yeah. the 7.5 has this guy, Same or thing. the 4.8, right, which was great, where back in the day, we used to have to rely on word of mouth. Yeah. Right? But that's a, a beautiful whole thing. I did, I did, ComStat was brilliant. I mean, it really was. It was something that was, um, was, it was really, really necessary for the department, and, you know, although... And it was good for the for the cops too. And uh, in the, in the how about for the communities? Yeah, communities. Uh -huh. you, you how know, about when the you, violent crime? The your, lives that were saved. When you saw your freaking commander coming back, and you know he got smacked around at Comstock. Oh, you were happy. He, he didn't look good. He looked happy at a no, bad weekend. No man, you could tell. Went home and beat his dog. Legs. <laughs> he just went. He went back to put Jeez. his CVs on and went home that day. When but, you uh, went to uh, like, I think I forgot the statistic, but I think at one time like. 80-something percent of all police departments in the nation were using some form of ComStat. Or now. something that they called ComStat. Called ComStat. That's impressive. And you that know what they say about, you know, uh, imitation being the uh, highest form of Absolutely. flattery, right? You guys yeah. should have uh, patented that. You guys, yeah. You'd have been a multimillionaire now. You well, wouldn't be here talking to us. I'll tell you. <laughs> so Jack, when he, when he left the department, he started consulting. Uh -huh. And he did very well in uh, New Orleans, in Atlanta, just changing the dynamics down there with ComStat. And then he ended up with the uh, TV show, right? The District. Yes, I, absolutely. How, well, and how that, come that was his legacy? How come it didn't work kids. in Chicago, though? Uh, I don't know that it didn't work. Or, you know, I don't know what they were doing really. Yeah. I mean, we had uh, well, Gary McCarthy. Gary was McCarthy there, yeah. was there. He should have known. You know, the, you do uh, consulting the work too now, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm checking over here. It looks, it says you've been to Mexico, so you've been Mexico, to other countries. Yeah. Boston, Cincinnati, they're consulting. New Orleans, LAPD. Yeah. That's great. Baltimore. Yeah. What happened in Baltimore? Ooh, Eddie Norris That's was right. the uh, police commissioner. You can't win them all, huh, Louis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's the story, a, a quick Baltimore story. I met the mayor down there uh -huh. at the time. So it was Martin O'Malley. Later on, he became Fine the Irishman. governor of Maryland. <laughs> right? So he's, he's the uh, mayor. Eddie Norris is the police commissioner. And now, I guess, uh, Eddie got in trouble. And the mayor calls a friend who calls me to say he wants the name of a, can you recommend a guy? Can you recommend a black uh, policeman to become the commissioner? From his department? For, for Baltimore. Baltimore. Oh, okay. I said, yeah, you know, I know a great guy, works for us up in the Bronx. He's a full inspector. Wow. He's had a couple of, you know, hot commands. That's nice of you. And he went down, and he was sworn in as the police commissioner. That's awesome. A year and a half later, they uh, kicked him out for a domestic violence gig, and mm -hmm. uh, the mayor won't speak to me, won't take my calls anymore. <laughs> Can you imagine this, Mark? Oh, my God. Blamed it on me. You tried to do the they right thing. They blamed it on me. Oh, Gee. my God. That's Those funny. things don't come with a guarantee. No, no. No, no money now, back guarantee. Expired, what is, you know. <laughs> hey, what, what is this consulting work, dude? It's a big, it's a big uh, interest right now because, you know, all the stories with... Um, Wow. Joe Biden's son and, and being yeah. over there sitting on a board and consulting about gas and he knows nothing I about gas. I wasn't in the Ukraine. No. I know nothing about the Ukraine. <laughs> it's not even a what, place what you, I would visit. So you go there and, and basically you basically give the, you 
learn about the department, then you give them ideas and yeah. kind of come up with a tech plan for them so, to get better? So Jack Maple had the best description of what it is we do when we go to these police departments. We are the great suggester. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you suggest the solution. Uh-huh. You suggest changes. And then it's up to, you know, the chief or the mayor, if whoever hired you, them, yeah. to implement yeah. them. And I noticed that a lot of these jobs, they last a year. Is that what it is? You get uh, hired for a year? Or Less what? than that. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it occurred in this year, but it's, you know, three months, four months, two months, you know, some ch- cases. Chief, every, all of this whole thing was uh, basically based on the broken windows theory. Yeah. Which is to concentrate on the lower crimes and they will have an effect on the overall right. crime situation. How come we're getting away from that now? You know, that's a political decision, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a policy decision that's driven from the uh, mayor and the mayor's office, and they're telling, you know, the cops today, here's what to do, here's what not to do. We don't want this, we don't want that. We don't want too many uh, minorities in jail. We want everybody out on the streets. I think there was something in today's paper, I thought I read, they're going to start giving them uh, tickets to the Met games <laughs> if, they, if they make their court dates on time. Oh, my God. They're going to give them tickets to the Met game. Not the Yankees. Uh-huh. <laughs> the Mets. So what does well, that say about my New York somehow. Mets? we got to fill those seats somehow. <laughs> the carrot and the stick, right? You're good, we give you a carrot. It's a Met game, right? Oh, God. Yeah, they used to give out tickets to the Yankee game when they call them. Remember that Warren scam? You got you got you want tickets to the Yankee? You come over here and pick them up, and then they come, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, I got a warrant for your arrest." <laughs> <laughs> Go sit in that room. That was probably invented in Comstock. Yeah, I'm beautiful. sure it was. That's a good example of a you know a, an idea. Somebody ran creativity. With it. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, man, it's it's a it's a remarkable thing, man. So many to, to uh, being a. Going the, the the path that you went on the job and to rise to that, it's it's, it's like you're a Hall of Famer. Hall of Fame, I like that. Yeah, yeah you're a Hall of Famer. Yeah. You were up there with I'd the. I'd say um, that. The only thing is, Esposito beat the amount oh, of time yeah. in rank. He's, you he's know what? Right? We he's were got almost me by three times. Like <laughs> we're almost approaching years, yeah. the hour here, but before we go into the second yeah. hour and then take our break and go into the second hour, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, there was a time there when Giuliani was mayor, and then he was given the opportunity to pick a new police commissioner. And instead of going with the obvious choice, which was Timoney at the time, right. he challenged to go outside and pick Howard Safer. I mean, you were right there, man. You were right in the middle of all that. Well, what's the feeling? Why, why did that happen? Why did that happen? So the mayor was the right guy for New York City, right, during yeah. the 90s. I believe that in my heart. He was the guy we needed. This, this didn't happen under Dinkins. It wouldn't have happened under anyone else, I don't think. But he wanted to surround himself with yes men. Uh-huh. They and, all do. And Howard Safer proved himself as the fire commissioner to being a yes man. And this was just what he wanted. He didn't want any police professionals running or calling the mm-hmm. shots. But he wanted someone. somebody who knows yeah. a little bit more than he does yeah. about yeah. what he they're wanted. talking about. He wanted what he wanted, and he got it. You know, yeah. he, got, he yeah. got Howard. But that ruffled a lot of feathers, I would imagine. Mm, well, <laughs> well Timothy we talking. We, we started Timothy talking about morale. Yeah. Tim, Timothy called. We talked about morale. Yeah. We talked about uh, you know motivating the men and st- stuff like that. Have you worked so hard the way you guys did, and you know Timothy was like right right in the fo- the head yeah. guy there yeah. of of this uh, triangle. You know, he was the guy uh, up in line, and then. You know, it's almost like uh, when Della Croce doesn't get the button. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't <laughs> remember in Gotti? That's right. Remember in Gotti? That's when it, right. When they put, yeah. Paul, they put Paul Castellano in instead yeah. of Della Croce. Yeah. Uh, the big mistake, man. <laughs> See what you did? <laughs> so you think you think, but who knows? Does the, you think the police commissioner actually has that much? Because right now we have uh, P- Police Commissioner O'Neill. And we had the, uh, the incident with Eric Garner and Pataleo, and we talked about morale again and, and losing some of it and uh, feeling defeated. We got so many suicides on the job now. So a lot of this, you, you wonder to yourself, how much the, the, does the police commissioner really have that much say? In what He's got to go through, the, the mayor tells him what to do. Is that what happens? Well, I mean, take a look at Bloomberg. 12 years the mayor, mm-hmm. he let Ray Kelly run the department the mm-hmm. way Ray Kelly wanted mm-hmm. to. Uh Giuliani had us over there once a week for our own little comp stat at City Hall. We'd have to brief him on the, you know, whatever events occurred, mm-hmm. on the crime, how we were doing, et cetera, et cetera. Anything that hit the papers. 
So he kept us, uh, you know, Bloomberg, uh, I think, had a different approach. Mm -hmm. And this guy now, this uh, de Blasio, is, you know, another kind of an approach. <laughs> that's it. You know, anti-police. <laughs> yes. That's an interesting, uh, that's an issue. We're going to talk about that in the second half. But, man, this first half, when this is the fastest hour this I is think we've done. No, come on. We, really? <laughs> yeah, the, an hour's just, up. So we, really? we an hour yeah. already. Yeah. We didn't even touch upon this. No, I didn't get started yet. Yeah, yeah no, well, we're we, we, we going to let you loose on the second half. <laughs> bust, you can bust out in the second <laughs> yes. part. That's what we do. We take a break. I'm going to have some of that, uh, a couple of grapes and cheese over there. Yeah. <laughs> refresh, my, uh, refresh my tea. I still uh, got the tea, man. Somebody promised me coffee would be served. We're going to get you some coffee, too. <laughs> well, this was a... What a way to kick it and knock it out, right? Started off, man. Here uh, in Tribeca, our new home for police off the cuff. And we and couldn't inside, ask for a finer. Inside Blue 360, if we got to mention inside that. Inside Blue 360, we couldn't ask for a finer first guest. Thank you for your for your time, and uh, we'll be back for the second half. What's <laughs> 